0: Hi, I'm Lisa Kennedy and you're listening to The Bra and the Brave. This podcast celebrates the creative and the courageous. I am fascinated by those who are talented, forward-thinking, and inquisitive. Sharing their stories, wisdom, and everything in between, The Bra and the Brave is about people and their passions. So on to today's episode. That sounds fun! That'll be great, that'll be great, I'm so excited! Right. Well, so I will do some sort of formal introduction because I'm not okay. that informal that I'll not actually say who I was speaking to. <laughs> but I am <coughs> delighted. No, I feel like I need to take a big deep breath for this because there is a lot of fantastic things that this person does that I'm just like, right, okay, I'm gonna say it all and then we're just gonna find out about it all. Right. So I'm speaking to the lovely Artie Yoshi, head of marketing at DF Concerts. you a DJ, one half of Pretty Ugly Club Night. Co-manager of the La Fontaines and a board member at Scottish Women Inventing Music. And I'm sure there's like lots of other things to that list. But that's what I've found when I've trolled the internet. That Arty. is correct. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Put it all down there. All the details. On. Now, I've got a million questions and I'm sure um, we'll get into it. But do you know what my first question is? Mm-hmm. What was the first gig that you ever went to? Uh,
1: <laughs> it was Jason Donovan. At the Edinburgh Playhouse, and uh, I went. God, how old did I be? I think about eight or something. I I got a scarf. I remember that. Still got that piece of merch. Love my merch. You still got it? Still got it. Yeah. It's not my mum's, but I've still got it. Um, And I remember my cousin was really ill, and she was super excited about being there, but she just fell asleep. I've never ever known anyone to fall asleep at a gig ever in my life. So that was interesting.
0: <laughs> no way, that is so funny. I have got a Jason Donovan story too in that I was very much a Michael Jackson fan. I was very much like, everybody was moving on to other people and I was like, no, Michael Jackson. And a girl joined her school and she was like, cool as anything. And she loved Jason Donovan. And like one day I came home from school and was just like to mom, I-, I need some Jason Donovan pictures. And she was like, you don't even like Jason Donovan. And I made my mum go to the shop up the road. It was called First in Town They Sold Ever. And my mum went and got me like three like framed pictures of Jason Donovan. And I put them in my room and I didn't even like them. I love that though. I love that
1: you got into Jason Donovan to be cool. That's uh-huh. my favourite thing well, ever. Still like, it work. <laughs> Clearly. Do you know, I still have a bit of a crush on him and it's a bit like, do you know when you're just a bit like, why? I mean, he's quite receding now. He's he's
0: not in the best shape, but he's just, he was my first crush, I think. Well, this is it. um, This is it. You're very impressionable when you're eight. (laughs) (laughs) So was it just, was music just a big love of yours from an early age?
1: Yeah, I think... um, my kind of my route into music was um I had an uncle who was basically my best pal growing up um and he was in a wheelchair so basically his life was music and his whole like room was just full of these tissue boxes with like tapes in them and all us kids would just go around and like play instruments with him and stuff and it was so so fun. So I think that's where my love of music came from. But then my mum was also a massive Engelbert Humperdinck and Elvis fan. Um, so, yeah, interesting music choice growing up. And then Bollywood was kind of part of my life growing up as well. So, yeah, like I've always had a real love for it. And I think the older I've gotten, I did I did a podcast with Helena, actually over five, for um, life is Like a Box of Records. And when we were going through the songs, it was like, Jesus, like you sort of forget how those songs make you feel, you know? So I think it is, it's the, the one thing that really connects me with whatever it is that deep down is going on. Which is quite good. Yeah, it's
0: got the quite heavily overlooked. Just it. Transport you though to a time and a place and with the people, and that's, that's phenomenal. That. Uh, I was watching a program about that producer. His name escapes me. He's produced like everybody, Britney and uh, not Britney, uh, Whitney and uh, Celine. And it was that song, uh, Tony Braxton, on Break My Heart." Oh God, I love that song. And it just totally transported me to my pals' auntie's house. Mm-hmm. And the day that we bought it and we put it in the hi-fi. And we were just, like, loving life. And, like, God. obviously just thinking that we were Tony Braxton.
1: It's that kind of, like, that special dance with the hair and the hands and, like, all the, the great times. Vision. Oh, God. There's nothing like it, is there? There's nothing like that kind of moment where you remember. I think mine has always been ocean colour scene, like the day we caught the train. transported yes. me back to the 60-year common room at school and just being, like, the first point in my life where I think I didn't feel awkward. Like, that I didn't feel just like a mad, awkward geek. And so I remember being like, oh, if I like this, I can fit in. And then also just I have it with like a lot of big ballads. I love a ballad because I'm not a crier in real life, but I'm a crier at music. cry at music and I cry at films. (laughs) That's
0: (laughs) all the good stuff though. You're allowed to cry at that. (laughs) (laughs) So at school, what, what was the plan? Did you have a plan? You know that question that like, what do you want to be when you grow up?
1: Like all good Indian girls, I was going to be a lawyer. And then I was going to be, I think, I can't remember. There was never really a plan. I didn't really know. I just knew that I liked things that, as an an Indian, you really weren't meant to. So I was dead artsy, loved modern studies, did creative, and it didn't really fit the path. And I remember when I went to uni, it was just a case of being like, right, what will I study? And I have no idea why. So I did art history, philosophy and psychology and English. (laughs) <laughs> just like what will this mean I don't know like why would I do this and just I remember just sitting in all my classes and stuff and being like yeah I don't know if this is for me so I kind of did philosophy for a year and then was like yeah I'm not that my brain is not that way tuned it would be now but not then and then yeah continued with English and art history so that's what my degree's in bizarre I've never used art history don't even wouldn't even know where to start I love going to a gallery, but. I couldn't tell you
0: anything. I don't remember anything. It's weird. I keep saying on this podcast, like I don't know what I want to be when I grow up, and I'm still—I'll be 39 next month.
1: <laughs> well, I'm 41, and I'm the same as you. I still there's always a point. You know, when you get to that point in your life where you're like done all these things, love what I do, but there's always just a point where you're a bit like,
0: oh, I don't know, maybe maybe something else nah. next. You know, like yeah. well, I mean, It sounds to me that you very much are like a multi hyphenate. You embrace all the things that you love, and you're just doing it all so let's tackle let's tackle the list what one did you meet first in the list here was it was it the the world of music and events and marketing was that your kind of
1: yeah so I was I was on work experience and ended up going work for a PR company for nine years um so I am a PR I I do the the, the dark arts for nine years and that was kind of my, my path and I loved it you know it's it's like when somebody tells you that your career can be to talk to people, form relationships and basically like go and have drinks, especially like back in the day, PR was amazing. You would just be like, I'll oh, just go down to the pub to be a journalist. And four hours later, you'd be like, I've sold in this story and I'm absolutely smashed. Can't remember what I said. Don't really know. But <laughs> it, was, it was a really good time. So that kind of led me to my job that I do now. And everything else kind of came off the back of that journey at some point or another so yeah, I've been working for DF I think for like eleven years, but they wow. were a client for nine before that. So coming up twenty years.
0: Gosh, that's I know, mental.
1: terrifying. Makes me feel so old, honestly.
0: <laughs> you, were a, you were a baby when you started. You were just a young thing. Oh, totally. <laughs>
1: <laughs> See when you look back and you're like, I did what? Like, do you know such such good fun and such an amazing. Career I have in Scotland as well because it does connect you with so many people and you learn how to basically talk your way out of every single situation in the world.
0: <laughs> get a gift and a gab, you get
1: a pass. That's exactly it. So I, I was head of PR at DA for about seven years and then took on the head of marketing job, so it's marketing comms and sponsorship. Just because all of those things over the course of my career just seem to be that they very much are within one umbrella, you know. Um, it's good it's good to kind of have those challenges as well I think if you just did one I get bored I like mm-hmm. a challenge I hate if I'm doing something and I've done the same thing for a year I just I'm like oh this is not for me anymore yes, distracted yeah. <laughs> that's,
0: that's obviously the creative in you do you know what I mean that like you're yeah. just always looking for a new challenge something else to get your teeth into and I know there won't be a typical day, but if you, I mean, especially in times like this, you're like, a typical day is like out the windy. But um, <laughs> but can you, in some ways, or perform, describe a typical day, a day of concerts for yourself?
1: Yeah, probably. I mean, I would be rolling in five minutes late most days. My um, <laughs> so team will tell you, usually in the back of a taxi. But yeah, I mean, I guess like I get in and then we'll catch up with my team generally for about half an hour an hour there'll be questions things that I need to pick up check through my emails and then usually the day either goes I mean I'll have a structure every day and it never happens that way Mm. so there will always be something that my boss has decided we're going to do or somebody will want to catch up or there'll be some curveball so I would say that my job is very reactive in the moment um planning I personally find difficult I find doing any sort of um if you think about like people always say to you, like don't focus on your weaknesses right so I'm all about like these are my strengths these are the things I'll do if you say to me just get all those thoughts down on a piece of paper I'm like three months time I'll have that for you no problem um so yeah I think but a lot of it a lot of my job is basically managing my team and making sure that kind of across all our brands so we've got tuts gigs in scotland summer sessions, and also transmit so just sitting across all of them and making sure that each of those elements like common sponsorship and marketing are all working that we're on track that we're hitting targets but also that i'm a problem solver so if something's not working i'm very much like right let's get in about that and figure out why and i think a lot of marketeers like to set something up and let it run and I'm sure my team would say this, but I am the most annoying person because I'm just like, but why is that? Why is that doing that? But, and they're just
0: like, oh my God, leave it. <laughs> but, but then that's how like, so you get perfection. That's how you get the best for your clients.
1: The tiniest thing can make a difference or if something's not working, why are you still spending money on it? But it's it's such great. I mean, my, my day can be things like somebody will phone me up and say, oh, such and such wants to do an acoustic performance in Tuts to record for transmit. And do you have X gear and i'll be like i don't know so i will be the person who i mean at the moment i'm trying to put together a live stream platform do you just throw everything at it you know and mm. if someone said like can you make i don't know make me a stage with like bits of muslin and like we've got three pounds and we'll have to do it i'm like yes that is a
0: challenge for me <laughs> <laughs> you'd be excellent one of those like changing rooms programs or something i love that like- <laughs> stuff see anything that
1: someone says this is impossible i'll be like oh yes that's for me great into that <laughs> Let me tearing my hair out ten minutes into it. Just like, why have I agreed to do this?
0: <laughs> you just obviously embrace the challenge, and you're not fear of like you know something that's difficult or something that's not working. You like like geez, it here we'll fix it's it. It's like screwdriver. I like to just be
1: like right, take it apart, figure out why that hasn't happened. And I think if you're that way inclined in our industry in particular, it'll, you'll always have something to do. You know, you always have another challenge because you're not bored. I'm never bored. I've never been bored in my life. So I think that's a good, a good skill. I mean, that's
0: I mean that's success in itself.
1: Well, I know. I mean, so many people I know are like they hate their jobs. I've never woken up and thought I do not want to go into that office ever. That's so, amazing. And to just, would you like
0: to to embrace the challenges that it brings, all the triumphs and all the, the the highlights, all the best bits? Do you know? What and mean, the lows,
1: the, the searing turtles? lows.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, oh, I can. Only, well, I mean, I can only imagine at a time like this everything that you would have been gearing up for. And then it was just like, nope.
1: First year in 20 that I've not been on a a festival site. So weird. Nice in a way because I'm seeing family and friends, Do you know, that I just wouldn't. Like, it would be three months a year that I just would be off the radar completely. But, like, Transmit would have been just at the weekend there and I cried over the BBC footage. It was just like, Jesus. And then you're also sitting going like, Oh, there's that person I know, which is quite nice.
0: <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there's been a bajillion highlights, but have there been any like serious pinch me moments? Because I guess just working in that industry, there is so much of it will just become the norm to you. Whereas somebody coming in be like, you met who? You did what? You met where? And you're like, that's just the job. But have there been like total pinch me moments over the last X amount of years? Oh, definitely. I mean, I think there's always one that stands
1: out for me. The first time I ever worked tea in the park, I think it was like 2004, and I was on site and my boss at the time had said to me, right, go and come up on the main stage and and I'll show you, like, we can look at the audience and stuff. And I, I was a bit like, oh, right, great, I'm not really that fussed about it. And we walked up and do you know that feeling where you're like walking up behind the scrims, so like in front of the speakers, so you mm-hmm. could just kind of see a little bit mottling of people. And Coldplay were on. And I remember we stood and she just said, look, come, come around here and like dip your head around here. Mm -hmm. And I looked around the corner and it was just like a sea of people. And I've never felt an emotion like that. Do you know where you are not in control and you don't know why you're emotional? And I was just so, so emotional because I've never seen that before. Uh And to this day, if I have a crappy day, I would go up on the stage and look out and be like, yeah, this, this is still worth it. You know, because it is it's just like those people are having an amazing time and you're a small part of that, and that's a really cool thing to do. Yes, I am um, absolutely but I've also been served my dessert by Gwyneth Paltrow, which has been quite
0: was quite hey, nice. Hey, hey. <laughs> I, I mean like uh like a gluten free, nut-free No, dessert. The,
1: the days where she
0: was eating big like
1: strawberry pancakes and everything oh, in Savings <laughs> 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 But you know, just like I, I think we, I have always been this way inclined and so are most of my team is that famous people are just people. The only time I've ever been starstruck is when I met Darius, which is a ridiculous thing to say. Genuinely. lovely oh, though. Oh my I God. I met so Darius.
0: Nice. It was maybe about three years, ago. It was like a charity event and he was the loveliest. Oh, just so
1: like in, attentive and sweet and will do anything that you ask him. And I just think you don't meet people like that often. People And it, quite intense. As well. And I remember being really young when I met him, just being like, I've not been around this kind of person before. There's a real aura. Um, but I did also fall at Tina Park one year and Paul Weller picked me up. Oh, wait a
0: minute.
1: quite <laughs> you, I don't know if you can see this from my face, but I still want to die inside. Like fell, ripped oh, my oh. tights, bleeding knee, and was being picked up. And do you know that way you can feel someone picking you up and you're like what is it And I looked up and looked at him, and instead of saying thank you, I just ran away. <laughs> and then a year later, my friend was the bassist in his band, so I went in to see him, and Paul well was in the tent. He was just like, "Oh my god, you? How's your knee?" <laughs> So none of my <laughs> celeb experiences have ever been glamorous.
0: They've always just been ridiculous. Oh, makes for a better story, though, didn't it? Do you know what I mean? You don't want a boring, like, me and Paul were just chilling. You know, you are no. like, oh, Paul picked me up, my name was pure gushing. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, but it makes for a far better story on a podcast. I think. <laughs> so, I mean... I'm thinking, you know, the job that you do is so intense and just all year round there'll be so much work that goes into all these events constantly. So then how do you then make time for stuff outside your work, passions of your your own, like DJing? Do you know in
1: my twenties and thirties, I think I just did it. So it was like I have always been a mad party girl until I turned 40, weirdly. Um and not even because the age just I think I just ran out of energy and steam like I'd been to so many parties but I've always been I've always loved being out I love socializing so it just felt as if that always just went together nicely but I was when I look back I was like Jesus Christ you were doing a lot and I think that the way I've not been great always like in my 20s I wasn't great I had a I was in a relationship for 10 years and I think my need and desire to kind of drive myself forward and I'm very much a believer in what's for you won't go by you right so if something doesn't work out I don't sit and cry about it I'm like that's not supposed to be for you but I wasn't the best girlfriend I don't think I've been the best friend or daughter many times in my life I mean I remember points where points where you change as well so I remember in like 25 26 and my pal had emailed me because I hadn't got back to her in text and just stuff like that where you're like You were crap, and that day I handed in my notice actually to my first job because I was just like, I don't want to be that person, that's not the life I want to lead. And I have got better, but there were periods of time where, for like three or four months, my pals would just be like, We know we can't speak to you that period of time and i'd be like yeah that's not really life either
0: but it's hindsight's a wonderful thing isn't it you're just plowing yourself into something that you know you're trying to build a career you're trying to build a name for yourself you're trying to do the right thing the best thing you're trying to work dead hard
1: i think especially when you're a woman i don't i mean i don't know if you've had that but it's like we have to work twice as hard right maybe more when you get to a certain point you then have to maintain 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 and it's never given to you. So you have to continuously prove yourself. And it's bloody exhausting. It can be. And and it can also be, I think, particularly in music, it's constantly changing. So if you sit still for two minutes,
0: particularly in marketing,
1: you'll just be left behind.
0: If you snooze, you lose type thing, and yeah, you're just trying to keep up and exactly. Just, you're, you're being the best.
1: And people always say to you, you know, there's just someone around the corner waiting to take your job. And I think when you're young, you do take that. On board that you do think that that's the case, and then the older you get, you're like, hey, "Where are they?" <laughs> <laughs> okay. Welcome, welcome to my job habit. <laughs> I've got a holiday I'd like to take. Thank you very much. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it does go in life full pelt. Does have its moments where you kind of go, "I missed that," you know. And I was quite ill, like not seriously, but. Just Ill, in and out of hospital for the last kind of year, year and a half, and mm-hmm. that definitely yeah. taught me to sit in Mars. So you know, you're a great believer as well that your body's trying to tell you something, or that your overall well being is dictated by how you behave. So I just that that point, I was like, right, okay, let's just calm it down a notch. But I mean, I, I used to be like the tequila queen and stuff. Still am. <laughs> Do you know though? It's like I never look back and think I missed out on anything, but at the same time. I think if I'd not been going so fast maybe I wouldn't have missed so many things do you know what I mean like going past me I do think about that but I don't don't believe in regret I don't you know because I just think it's a waste of time like I do wish I could remember more stuff like maybe being the Tequila Queen wasn't my best moment
0: So when you are DJing, was that then you were getting that opportunity to, to express yourself through music and the, the kind of stuff that you were enjoying when you are out in the clubs? Or what, what was the vibe? Yes and no. So we literally
1: fell into it. There was a club night called Born to be Wide in Edinburgh. They now have Wide Days, which is a music kind of conference. And my friend Olaf was like, listen, and that was when I worked for a PR company myself and my two friends, Lee and Pam, who we were like, can you come and DJ, come DJ at this club, it'd be great. And we were like, oh, aye, brilliant, DJing, excellent. Turned up and there was two CD decks and a mixer and we were just like, I don't really know what we're doing here. What we're going to (laughs) do. And I remember our first gig was I was on one deck, Pam was on the other and Lee was on the mixer. And literally one of us would be like, right, go. (laughs) And we ended up, because we were young, right, and we were like in our early 20s, and at that point, probably all of us, like, still looked good. It <laughs> didn't look old and tired.
0: Like, <laughs> good girl, I can see you.
1: So we, we started getting all these bookings for things, like the model team... Uh, parties and we were getting booked for like drinks launches and everything we still can DJ I still can't DJ right I have no idea how to DJ <laughs> like <Love> literally <laughs> like, press play hope for the best so many times I've ejected CDs like mid club and I remember playing like happy days once just because I was like oh fine let play happy days and folk went mental and I just ejected the CD right at the good like right at the chorus like see when I look back I'm like why did anybody come to our club But we ended up kind of being the place where a lot of bands would come or, like, all our friends who would be touring or whatever would come down. And it ended up just being this, it felt like a 21st birthday party every single time we did the club with a bunch of people you didn't know. And it was, so and you know, so empowering as well, doing it with your pals. And just at that point, there weren't any female DJs. So at no point were we like, right, we're just going to let this go. It was like, no, we're going to do this, even if we can't. (laughs) I tell you now, though, I'm like, I wish I'd learnt to properly DJ. That is my one. Well, this is the thing.
0: And that's what I, I keep saying. I'm like, I'd love to DJ, but I wouldn't have the first
1: clue. I'll do you a deal. Come down, right? We were going to have a few more Pretty Uglies, I think, because we were going to retire the club, but we were both a bit like, we're tired. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of our pals have got kids and stuff now, and we're kind of like it's no longer that club that we don't go and be as mental as we used to be so is it maybe time to take a break right yeah, But we're gonna yeah. have another few because now we're like oh no I really miss it <laughs> so when we've talked about that though like come down and like I'll show you literally what I do it is the easiest thing. I now DJ from a laptop which by the way if you told me 10 years ago I would have been like um, I don't think so and it literally just push some buttons that's it so easy so deal
0: you're on i'm, I'm totally taking that on it's <laughs> <laughs> gonna have a bucket list of things to do before i'm 40
1: and because you can work technology you'll actually be able to do it so much better than me be with beat match and everything it'll be yeah. great
0: we'll see we'll see about that <laughs> oh I, love, I just love that though just like i will just get a bash and i guess you've you've got that kind of ethos in your your job as well it's just like just get in there and just we'll make it happen and you've you've obviously built your skills up over the many years working in the industry, and like you said earlier on, the industry will just be changing all the time. Mm-hmm. So then, Completely. then the decision to co-manage a band. <laughs> now, I feel like I've all, I, like I've always known about the on Teens because I'm from Bell Hill. right? They're So, and then when I was like using your profile, and I was like, see what? Honestly, I don't know how it happened, and I still to right. this day,
1: I'm not sure. How I've got to the point where I'm, I've managed them for seven years. I really I don't, it's, it was never a conscious choice. I think I just split up with my ex and I was having a bit of a like, well, I'll just be wild again. So I think I drank like three bottles of wine in Yeats's, that horrible wine bar. And I had gone to see Charlie Murphy, Eddie Murphy's brother, the comedian. So we had met the boys at that and kind of just had a few drinks and been introduced to them. And I'd heard of them, I'd seen them do sound checks and stuff, but I'd never actually seen them live. And then kind of got to the point where Kerr, who is the front man, who's like my baby brother, would just message me and be like, have you heard about this? Did you know about this? And I'd be like, oh my God, this guy's so annoying. And then I was in uh, Nanakusa one day and he had messaged me and said, we're in uh, the garage, I think it was, supporting 303, please come and see us kind of thing. And I was like, say and not go when you're across the road is actually rude, right? Mm-hmm. So I went and genuinely the rest is history. Like I have never seen a band and I've seen a lot of bands. I've never been that blown away by a band live. And it, that was eight years ago. They're phenomenal, you know, and it's all the things that people tell you won't work. So essentially what is a pop band, rock band with a rapper, a Scottish rapper and all songs that you have got mad hooks. And there is no part of your brain that if you say to somebody that's what it is, will go all right brilliant yeah that sounds great you know but when you see it it just makes sense so after that and also I like their I like their enterprising spirit like when we went in they were selling merch after the gig and they were like we'll catch up with you later we just got to punt some merch like and they're just dead hard working and you know there's something about that that you really for me is like oh there's a real shared kind of connection here and we just got to know each other I helped them with a bit of press because I still doing PR at the time mm. and they kind of their big challenge was that they were a party band and people effectively didn't take them seriously they did great shows people loved them but it was like all right okay well how would go from here and then I remember being asked the manager and I think it was like being asked out that's how it felt it was really weird it was a really odd conversation <laughs> and do you know when you kind of say yes just because you're awkward you're <laughs> just like all right cool <laughs> No problem. Do you know it's funny? Lots of people will say, like, how do you do that? And they are genuinely just the loveliest boys. They're properly good people. And they care about what they do. And as much as they're a handful and they're a bit mad, they're, they're coming down now. They're getting older. And I've, I've been to so many amazing places and done great things with them. And I just, it's definitely a part of my life where I've never had kids, never wanted them. But if I did, they would be my kids. I
0: love that. <laughs> and is that just then you're just you know, each day is just checking in with them or uh, do you devote a particular day of the week to them? Because I can't imagine how you spin all these plates.
1: No, do you know what happens? Generally it would be kind of, we would have a meeting in the kind of evenings. So when we first started, we would do a kind of weekly meeting and just catch up. And then there'll be times I do just work. If we've got an album out, like we had a top 40 album last year, which is mental. But like when we were doing that, it was just weekends, evenings. So I would be working all day and then work with the band. But I think when you love something, and genuinely when you're, I mean, I'm a bit of a control freak, so being in charge of something is good for me because then I can see the results directly. So it's that like, you know you can directly affect the impact of something. But then there's times where there's like a kind of quieter period, and it's led to the point where now I've started a management company with um, Finley, who used to be in the band. Who is like a literal rock Financial expert guru, like he's just amazing. And our relationship has gone from that of being like at loggerheads a wee bit because he had family and he was kind of trying to get touring to it into work to now just being like so in tune with each other. And then Scott, who is he owns a company called Socialamp, used to work at Facebook, so he's the digital guru. So the three of us have set up a company and we've just started managing a girl called Becca Sloan. I've always been a bit like, I want to manage a woman, especially the older I get and the more that I see how much it is a struggle and I see what the barriers are. I'm
0: like, no, I I could make a difference. So I should, and I want to, you know. You're the perfect person, do you know? I mean, you've just been immersed in that industry for so long. Totally. And I also,
1: I'm not scared of saying you should be doing that. And actually that lineup is not good enough or that excuse is not good enough. So I look forward to having her back. Like, she's only 18. She sounds like a baby Billy Holiday. So, yeah, so we'll kind of start things off with her in the next year. So it's quite exciting. But, yeah, if you'd said to me you're going to be a band manager, I still am like, what is that? Like, is that just a glorified (laughs) babysitter?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Herd and cats.
1: And just being like, this is the thing that we need to do, so I've got 20 years of experience to dictate this as the correct thing.
0: But yeah, I, I get what you were saying about that kind of idea of delegation. Like it must be hard, like you were saying you've got a team and you'll have built that team, you know, and there obviously is a trust there, but it'll be difficult, I guess, sometimes when you are used to being in control to then delegate out jobs. So like when you've got the band, you can see from start to finish fruits of your labour you know they've obviously got a mission and you've got a mission for them, the mission will be changing all the time, it's like once you hit one goal it's like what we do next, right? what we do next for you it must just be so rewarding and we've always been, the way we've treated it is that we've always been
1: such a team so it's never felt like management in a band until maybe more recently because Mm. things are just more like until you get to a certain point nobody wants to make money until there's money to be made and then things change a wee bit but do you know it's also natural, it's organic, it's a process of how these things go, and I've always had good pals that have always kind of said, "Know that you're not a member of the band, and you'll always be fine," which I think is important to remember. Mm-hmm. You know, like that would be the one bit of advice I'd say is never ever take a closed door, like shove it open, and also remember you're not in the band. I
0: think it's it's good advice. So then you you know you were talking about working with Baker and women in the industry and that being something that you are obviously very conscious of and you were you were keen to work with a women in the industry. Um, and I also read that you are a board member of Scottish Women Inventing Music, which I must admit I didn't know about until... Must join. So how did you get involved with the, the charity and what, what kind of work are you doing with them? So it's
1: amazing actually, like do you know that way when you start to realise how far we have to go? To get to an equal place. I mean, I think we I guess you'll feel that. Women feel that every single day of our lives, right? And the world is made for white men. So how do you how do you overcome that? Mm-hmm. Um so swim was set up by an amazing woman called Hilary Brooks, um, who's a classical musician. And I went along to the launch and I was on a panel actually, and somebody said some quite interesting things to me when I was on the panel, and it kind of made me a bit like, Ooh. And I I guess I didn't realise how much people, I think the best way to say it, like people judge you as a person by the job you do or the people that you are around. And a lot of the time working for a big company, a lot of people decide they think they know what that is without ever actually doing their research. The first time ever that I've been on a panel that I was a bit like, ooh, that went strangely. And I kind of reached a bit of a knowledge branch out and said, look, Let's have a chat. Mm -hmm. Person in question didn't want to have a chat. However, it did lead me to the point where I was like, well, surely the whole thing here is that you should do something. You're in a position, as in me, to do something, right? So get involved. So I spoke to the guys at Swim and just said, look, I'd love to be involved however I can, joined up. And then they asked me to be on the board. And I've been on the board, it's like a year and a half. And we're still very much, we're at that point where the organisation is New, we're trying to figure out the best things that we need to do, and it's like you're trying to marry future, present, and returning musicians as well. So there's that thing of what what change can you make that applies to everyone? What change can you make for each group? But well, we mm-hmm. did this amazing. I mean, I'm saying we, the girls that did it, Sharon and Helena and Rosie, who are just like the most amazing volunteers, phenomenal women. They just they just give and give and give. They put together a girl pool which was for kind of twelve to sixteen year old girls. And they came along for the day and you had like Nightwave doing an electronic workshop and Stina from Honeyblood doing a chat with Beth Black. And honestly, the whole day was fantastic. And what I realised about it was it's the most diverse group of women I've seen in a room without us trying. So it was like, this is the future. This is what we should build. And so we've got big plans for that. And also just at the moment, it's about driving funds so that we can actually do things, have events, lobby. You know, um, it's getting to the point where it's unacceptable to not have balance in the music industry. So also there's a lot of research done by an amazing woman called Vic Bain into what the barriers are, because ultimately women, they make up over half until the end of higher education in terms of music, and then they just disappear off the end of a cliff. So when you get labels and publishers and the kind of music industry side involved. For some reason, women's journey stops. So we've been trying to figure out why that is. It's all the reasons that you think it will be. So it's, you know, it's harassment. It's the industry's not built for women in any way. The infrastructure has to change. Confidence, you know, um, but also visibility. Like we don't see ourselves on the stage because we're just not represented. And again, that problem starts with labels and publishers. So they have to sign more women in order for promoters to book them or, you know, for kind of festival bookers to look at them and think, right, okay, where's the list? how to So people need to be more proactive. And I guess there's a little bit of affirmative action in there as well. I definitely feel like during this time in Black Lives Matter, we're living in a time of change. And my belief is that whilst I might not see it all in my lifetime, we're doing it so that it actually happens for the future. And that does make me super excited and
0: happy. You know,
1: it's such a it's a positive time to live in. Hard, it's hard. Yeah, work. <laughs> yeah,
0: One hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. But you're you're making all the right moves to you know really impact change, like to to change. And like you say, you might not be around to see, you know, what we all hope will eventually come to fruition. But exactly. just to be a part of that, and just all your experience, you know, young women that are coming into the industry, and really, like you were saying, just don't see themselves up in that stage. How do you keep a hold of that confidence to say, I'm going to keep going because I do believe I could make it all, you know, go all the and way to
1: right? You know, what? a lot of women have imposter syndrome and confidence Everything. is an issue, right? So, so, I. I always have. And you're like, that's insane. I just, I'm, I'm definitely at the age where I'm like, I need to be doing more. And I've got a real iron fist policy for you know you get lots of people on Twitter that are like no you haven't done this correctly or I would have done it this way and I'm very much like well fucking do it then let's see come on and I don't I'm not popular for that but I didn't really want to be in this world to be popular right so I just think you have to do something there's no point sitting at home moaning about it just just this does not feel like an interview by the way it literally feels like having a chat with my
0: pal it's so nice (laughs) thanks I'm delighted. No, but it's because of you though. Do you know what I mean like everything you're doing is just amazing? I think yeah, you've not told us, but you've definitely invented a eighth day of the week. Recently, I've been like, how do
1: you make more time? My boss did give me a book years ago, right, and it's called The Power of Less, and it's oh, right. all about effectively taking like your percentages. and I remember he said this to me when I started working at DF. My boss is like. Probably the main reason I'm still at the company I'm at, other than the fact I love my job, he's the most passionate, driven guy. And like, whenever I think I know it all, there'll be something that he says, actually, have you thought about this? And I'll be like, oh, fuck no, I haven't. (laughs) So he gave me this book and it effectively talks about, so either you do 100% of the work, Mm -hmm. 80% of the quality, or you do 80%, 100% of the quality, which one do you want to do? And I was always like, well, the quality is more important. So now I will, it's like I've changed my mind to just look at my inbox and be like, yep, that is not today. That is not even next week. Also to be like, there will be some things that I just don't get to and I just accept it. Which 20 years ago, me, 10 years ago me was like, oh my God, I will sit here till one in the morning until each and email is out my inbox. And it's not smart, you know?
0: But then you live and you learn. We can't know all these things until we've done it no. for Fifteen
1: oh. years and then you go, why are do that oh, right, oh, why did I do that? Huh? Like, yeah, but is it, like, that is the whole thing. And, and I am getting better at making time for me.
0: What do you like to do in your very limited spare time? Drink, drink tequila. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: I absolutely love dinner and a cocktail with my pals. Give me good old chats with my pals. I've got amazing friends. One of my best pals, Gillian McCormack, is literally like, I can go for a walk with her and we will go out for an hour and that will have covered books, films, politics, religion, like everything. And it's people who stimulate your brain, right? I really love that. And my family, my mom and my sister are like my best pals. Love them. Really? They're just the most amazing, amazing women. So I'm surrounded by amazing women and men. I love, love just watching shitty TV but also, I've been trying to write recently. Um, right. <laughs> which just is going, <laughs> so, well, it's going really badly. So, <laughs> it's like, do you remember what I was saying earlier when it's like, get it down on paper? I'm still failing at that, but it's all in my head. If I could find a tool like the Men in Black tool that would just like remove. Is so, this your biography? Well, kind of, kind of not. I just want to write about being third generation Indian in Scotland. Like I think there's something in that that's quite niche, and there's a lot of funny stuff that comes out of being third generation, and and I guess like just particularly being Scottish, you know, like there's lots of things that have happened to me in my life that I'm like, well, oh, that's quite unique, and if it means another girl, a young Indian girl can read that and go, oh cool, it's fine, that actually, that is normal then yeah, I would have
0: done say, something. The start, there was this, this kind of idea that you was going to do something like law, like, you know, the expectations and that can come in any way, shape or form, do you know what I mean? Like I, I was quite academic at school and I just put this expectation myself that I would go and do, I would, I was, oh, I was definitely going to uni. Uh, you know, and dance That's was my mind. Uh-huh. I don't know why I didn't just think, do, you could have a career in dance, but it was just like, you're academic, so you will do something academic. And my parents didn't push me, it wasn't mm-hmm. that, it was just this, idea that it's not
1: approved is it it's not an approved career like I remember thinking like and again it's like so when you're younger particularly when you're a woman going into the music industry isn't a career neither is PR that especially when I was growing up wasn't a thing that people went oh that seems like a great I mean now you could be like being an influencer's career so I guess the world has moved on right but I think that also that expectation particularly from if you've got parents who are Immigrants is that they have worked so so hard to give you that education, to make sure that you have that start in life. And you do feel an insane amount of pressure. I mean, I never did from my mom and dad. Like my dad's a cop or an ex-cop. He was a lawyer. Um but when he moved to Scotland, he'd studied English law, so he couldn't be a lawyer here. So I think that was always his dream. And my mum worked for Registers of Scotland and also in a bank. So the two of them never were like, oh, you have to go down this path. But there was a, there was definitely a little bit of disappointment, I think, from my dad in particular, that I didn't go down an academic path. And when I didn't work for a music promoter, and my dad still was like, you know, one day you'll get a really good job. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm literally at the top of my game. <laughs>
0: like, what? Can I get a higher dad?
1: <laughs> but it's just like music culturally. And I think that's part of it as well. Like recently having conversations with a lot of friends and being like, yeah, there's also so the reason that people from diverse backgrounds are not as represented in music is yes, of course, barriers and racism, right? But then additionally, the cultural part of that that is like, if you say to your parents, "I'm going to go work in the music industry," they'll be like, "I'm sorry, what is that? What
0: is that? Yeah, mm-hmm. is that a Mickey Mouse job type thing? Yeah, it's these yeah. markers of what is success,
1: exactly, and they can't define it. Like my cousin is a really He's doing extremely well, actually, he's an actor. And we've had this conversation a lot. He was in Crocodile Fever in the Fringe. And we were kind of talking about, he was just saying, you know, it's, it's so great when you're here because you can have a conversation about the art with the people that I'm in this play with. Whereas when his parents would be there, they'd be so proud of him, but they didn't really have anything culturally to add. Mm-hmm. And I think that's difficult. I think it's difficult when right. your parents don't understand your job, you know. Yes, um, there's
0: a, a, such an element of bravery then to just step outside that box that was maybe put around or you. stupidity? Well, really <laughs> you're on the, on the brave. I'm saying it's brave. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so you're writing a book. Well, you're, the plans are in place for the, the book. plan. It's all yes. up there. It's all it's all happening. It just needs to be extracted out. Yeah. Oh, uh, put me on the list for that book. <laughs> I absolutely. Do the audio version, and you have to read it.
1: Can you imagine? I mean, it's all just stories about my aunties being absolutely mental. That is pretty much, like, the full scope of it. Well,
0: if you're an energy, then this book's going to be somewhere else. Whatever gets written, I'll send you to edit. I <laughs> well, I've book, still been working crazy mental, just trying to figure out this whole world and keep things afloat.
1: Yeah, so obviously our industry is massively... Affected, um, and we've been trying really hard to pivot and do various things. We've just launched a series of drive-in concerts, and we've just done like a big transmit live stream and stuff. But we do—it's like there. It's now at the place where, obviously, the government support super well received by everybody. But there are so many sectors, particularly the hospitality and entertainment sector, that. Aren't going to make it out of this for a while, you know. So, that we do, there's there's significant concerns about what this will look like on the other side, and and I think we really do need. I mean, I know we have an open conversation just now with the Scottish government, and things are moving hopefully in a decent direction. We've just announced some music, uh, small music venue funding, which is great, but it's difficult. It's difficult to know what. I mean, effectively, music is the love of my life, right? And it's really hard to see artists not performing gigs it's difficult when artists like their life is driven by that kind of particularly from a mental health point of view it's like it's driven by those highs and there you can't replicate that in other any other area in their life you'll know know this
0: amazing theatre shows that have been done online and stuff you know and very much just embraced the situation and that's amazing but it's not a substitute for the live experience it just can't and so I think
1: that the industry is, I mean, it's doing incredibly well to kind of pivot and figure out what it looks like. And mm-hmm. we're all very excited about certain things that can be done. But it is, it's is—it's that standing in a room, hairs on the back of your neck, standing in a field, band walking on stage. There's nothing like it. And there never will be. You know, you can't. There's no way to replicate that. So we're really excited about the driving shows. I think that's something for us all to look forward to. They're selling well. People are excited about them. So... That's good, you know. It's- of
0: course it is, Yeah, that's it. It's just that's positive spin on it. It's like you know, it can't be what we want it to be. So what else can it be for now? Exactly. Even with the podcast, like I contacted. Um, some musicians that have been on the podcast and said, will you do what I called like a broad brief session? I just wanted to get their music out there so that, you know, people are recording videos and I was putting them on Instagram live and just, just to keep the music alive. I love that though, isn't that just like, I think when you have a passion
1: for music, I, I don't know if you feel it, like, it sounds like you also have a multi-hyphenated career, right? But like, <laughs> you just are like, because you love it, it doesn't make it seem like work. Yeah. So then you just do, don't you? Yeah. You, just, you yeah, produce yeah. all this stuff. But yeah, like I think it's tough, tough for artists to have to record themselves in their house because I think if you're a creative, you want to make the art. It's I mean, it is it's like people being dead, like they're kind of outside their comfort zone and it's great to see, right? Yeah. But there is a point where you're just like because we're looking at things other live stream options and looking at ways to make the sound kind of. I mean, the only way I know how to describe it is like that kind of 4D sound and how can you do something really cool with that? But ultimately it's still just a band in a room. And if that's a gig that you're in America and you can't see, I think a live stream is brilliant, you know, but... You just want
0: to be there. Yeah.
1: You want to see the yeah. beads of
0: sweat on those foreheads. I know, it's the
1: best. So do you know when you're just really sweating, and you come out and you're like, I'm absolutely disgusting, but that was the best night of my life. That's it. Yeah. Well, I
0: think your resolution is to go to more gigs and I don't do it. And now I'm like, see when we're allowed to go to gigs, I'm going to be all the gigs. Well, just you phone me and then we can sort that out. Yeah, never been to a festival, so hello. This is, you're genuinely
1: going to go the way that I've been for however many years. We're going to go off the uh, edge of the cliff. What did you do Or
0: her? I'll be like, she just wanted to have a nice time. <laughs> she just went off the rails. <laughs> right, you are an absolute joy. And we are going to jump onto the thing in my because you are just going to smash these questions. And oh, God, we are... I hope so. Right, so the first one is I know you're writing the book. I'm not going to ask you the title because that's just. But don't I give that away too soon. But um, who would play you in a film about your life? Uh, Mindy Keelan, 100%. Love her,
1: obsessed with her. Think she's like a pure trailblazer for Indian women. So yeah, 100% her. Or Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> yes,
0: she's amazing. Love her. I'm just going to say for the purposes of the podcast, I have not edited out a long pause. You were right in there. <laughs> so weird that thought about that. I wrote the questions. These are all questions that make perfect sense to me. Right. (laughs) Um, Can you finish the sentence? When I was wee, I... Didn't know I was brown.
1: (laughs) Right. Genuinely. Thought until the age of five that I was white. Until my mum came to school in a sari and I was like oh my god people will know I'm different and she was just like "Eh, take a look in the mirror (laughs) again but yeah Ah. I genuinely like didn't know that I was different which I think is amazing right because in so many ways that probably is the reason that I never really had an issue fitting in or feel like I belonged but yeah weird so weird to be fair I think all credit to my mum and dad like I've always had like that kind of self belief, like, and even when I didn't, even when it disappeared, like in my kind of teens, I, I wasn't, I wasn't particularly, wasn't particularly kind of happy with myself, as all teenagers are, right? But I think if you have that to start with, that you believe you'll be all right, then it kind of gets you
0: through. Um, which karaoke song?
1: Right, so I can't sing. I'm tone deaf. Right, I thought that I uh, was an amazing singer. To the age of like 10 um, but if I ever do karaoke, which I have done, it's I'm the King of the Swingers
0: <laughs> a, a good song that's a, that's a total crowd, please
1: don't go It's not something that I admit often like. but yeah, that's
0: that's my song That is a tune and a half Total tune, isn't it?
1: In the absence of I'm the King of the Swingers it's uh, Ice Ice Baby which I do know pretty much full right up to
0: Collaborate and listen <laughs> Yeah. Oh, so many questions. If you knew that you could not fail, what would you do? God, so much. I'd be a life coach. Um, you should totally do that. That's what I would like to do.
1: Um, I would set up some sort of organisations where we were able to turn the world on its head, where the world just didn't have inequality. but Everybody was equal, and there was a way that you could just go and fix that. If I couldn't fail, that's what I'd do. And I would like just make sure that, do you know what the thing that makes me like actually a bit emotional and not take the piss out of things is like the thought of young women coming through and having the same experiences and falling off the radar because things are hard. I just don't want that to be the case anymore. So that would be what I would change, 100%. Anybody they can swoop
0: in and make that happen, this you and i'll help so if there's any way i can help i'll be there (laughs) and the last question actually gutted to end this conversation i will let you go and have a life i feel like you know as the busy person you're i'm like i've already taken up an hour of your life it does it feels like we've been on for about 10 minutes it's a nice thing honestly genuine compliment that's really kind thank you um yeah i ask everybody what is your favorite scottish word or phrase probably fud that's a first no one said that when somebody is an idiot and there there's
1: levels of idiots then there's fud and to say that person's a fud it's almost like they're just
0: written off i feel like if you <laughs> if you gave me a telling off i'd be like, i'm so sorry R2. i'd actually be terrified i'm like i'll never call you a fud
1: ever <laughs> thanks <laughs>
0: Arty, oh. this has been an absolute delight. <laughs> I've had so much fun. <laughs> A Total ray of sunshine. I'm so so like I have to say, the lovely Laura Boyd. She <laughs> recommended you for the Broad Brave Clan because she's been on the the podcast recently.
1: Isn't she Bombay? just like one of life's greatest joys, Laura? I love her. Like she really, is. There's nothing but you are to and that's obviously why she
0: knows you. You just put out great energy and you're obviously working your bahookie off. But no, thank you so much. This has been a total pleasure. And I know how busy you are, so I really appreciate it. And yes, I would love to actually meet you in real life. I would love that. So see when this is over. Let's go and just have a nice cup of coffee and a proper natter. Because I'd love to hear more about like what you do as well. And uh, we will definitely, definitely meet up in person. That would be I have to um, you'll get you'll get your bra bag badge because you are now a bra bag, you're in the clan. Yes. Thank you so much, and I will see you very soon. You take care of yourself.
1: Take
0: care. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Brawn the Brave, a podcast about people and their passions. Join us next time for more insight and inspiration from my wonderful guests. Bye for now.